0: Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality?
1: I think it is connection to self, it's our own life force energy that we are so cut off from. Hence why so many women feel disenfranchised, feel numb, reach for the bottle, are you know, in the pantry all hours of the night. They're craving something, but what they're craving, they can't fulfill because it's mm-hmm. not in those things, it's in themselves. They're actually craving themselves. themselves. Mm-hmm. And it is so beautifully divine. It's fascinating to me that we have shamed women to the point of not wanting to touch themselves not wanting to look and that any kind of intimacy is not intimacy with self it's intimacy reserved for someone else to take or partake in with you so we've really conditioned women even the dancing right like dancing has been performative or for the male gaze mm-hmm. and so when we are raised that everything is done like our bodies are for someone else's pleasure our dance is for someone to rate on a scale of 1 to 10 you can see how we do like get so cut off and so shut down from our beautiful divine internal feminine light.
0: That was a quick clip from this week's episode with Dr. Amanda Hansen. You guys, when I saw this woman's TikTok, I knew I had to have her on the podcast. She is a force of nature. You can feel her energy just like radiating through the screen. And I looked at this woman and I was like, I need more. I need more from you. I need to consume all of your content. And what she was talking about in that TikTok was about how we as women heal differently than men and about the importance of moving our trauma through our body so it doesn't get stored inside of us. And I was like, yeah, okay. I can vibe with that. And then as I consumed more of her content, I realized that it was really about stepping into our divine femininity and our womanhood and being unapologetic about it. Her story is really a brilliant one. And she talks about her journey to finding herself, you know, she too got caught up in the messaging around our bodies and how we should look and how society thinks we should be. And she said, enough, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not subscribing to this. I'm going to stop all the Botox, no filler, no nothing. And I'm going to age gracefully and I'm going to learn how to really love myself for who I am and not what I look like. And I'm sorry, but that's something that I need to hear. I struggle with that. I struggle with that, if I'm being honest. It's interesting because after I finished recording with her, I was like, that's it. I'm not doing any more filler. I'm not doing any more Botox. I'm not doing, you know, I went like full on extreme into all of these things. And then instantly all of this fear came up for me. And I was like, no, you can't. You have to keep doing the Botox. You have to keep doing the filler. You have to do all of these things. And here's what I realized that it's actually not about the Botox or the filler. It's not. It's about having these conversations and healing the parts of us that don't feel worthy without it. And so I recognize that I still have some work to do there. And that's not a bad thing. It's actually a beautiful thing. And I'm so grateful for Amanda joining me on the podcast and illuminating this work that I have the opportunity now to do. And this is really, truly just like a beautiful episode. And her words of wisdom are profound and enlightening. And she is just a joy to listen to. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy this week's episode with Dr. Amanda Hansen. Thank you so much for joining me. I stumbled upon your content. I love TikTok for the For You page. Like it really knows me. And sometimes it knows me a little too well. And I'm like, this is, this is scary. Like this is, (laughs) it's a little too, little too specific. Here, yes. But you were talking about something that I really, truly believe, but you put it in words that were so beautiful. And you're talking about how we as women are designed to heal differently than men. And so much of us carry both our own personal traumas and then on top of that generational traumas and societal traumas. And we're just carrying this around in our bodies And I really loved, you know, and it's been my experience too, how you laid out how doing meditation might not work for you. Doing the yoga might not work for you. And my experience is that through movement, I heal. And so, yeah, I'm really excited to hear more about your, your story and you stepping into your divine feminine and what your journey and path has looked like.
1: Thank you so much, Alexis, for having me and for having this conversation. I think it's so important when we find something that works for us, that we at least share it with the world to showcase that there is another way. And I think for me, for so long, I did forms. Well, well, first I should back up and say, I was raised in a family, the most well-meaning mother, of course, but she was modeling the way she was raised. And it was very much a, don't cry, pull yourself together. Why are you being so dramatic? Dramatic was a big word that was put on me. And so I felt really young that there was something wrong with me because I felt things deeply and I still do. Now I know what to do with it. And I know how beautiful it is, but as a young girl, I thought there was something wrong that I did feel so much and so big. And then the, the way that I expressed it through crying, or I remember putting on records as like an eight-year-old girl listening to records that I knew would make me cry because then I felt like if my mom walked in and saw me crying, I could at least, then I was crying because of the song not because of like my own pain. So I had to attach it to something. And then when I got a little older, I would purposely watch sad movies over and over. So I could link my crying to some movie I was watching, but it was really because I didn't know how the hell to process all these big feelings I was feeling inside. But I knew that after I watched really sad movies or listened to really sad music, somehow I felt a little bit better. It's almost like the boiling water in the pot. It's almost like I took the lid off of it and I let some of the pressure out. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know back then that's what I was doing. Only now as an adult woman, can I look back and feel for that angsty young girl, that really awkward teenager who didn't know what the heck to do with all these big feelings she was having. So for lack of resources, I, I guess I was fairly resourceful. I would find movies or music to help me move the emotions. So that's how it started for me. And then as I came into kind of like young adulthood, I'm a clinical psychologist. So I obviously picked the right path to really understanding emotions. I have my doctorate in psychology, but I, I started to meet up with all these women who were like, Oh, we're going to yoga class. We're going to meditation class. And I would go to all the things. And I almost felt like, God, am I doing it wrong? Like, I don't understand. Like I don't feel like I'm getting this feeling that they're all talking about. Maybe it's like I'm missing something. So I kept trying, kept trying. I was like, oh my God, yet another thing I'm like failing at. What am I doing wrong? And it wasn't until probably 10 years ago that I really started to study self study and understand, as I was really in a hard time in my personal life, how cathartic moving my body was. Really moving my body in a room with the door shut to every variety of music. I have endless, endless, endless playlists. Now that are all categorized rage, grief, (laughs) heartbreak, feeling misunderstood, feeling alone, feeling celebratory, feeling sensual, wanting to feel sensual. So I have all these playlists now that I help like craft, like to really tap into the mood. And Alexis, it has literally been the, the greatest. I have my doctorate in talk therapy, mm-hmm. and I am telling you, movement has changed my life. It has saved my heart. It has saved my soul. It has brought me actually back to life in a way I've never felt before. I'm so on fire for a living, and this is what I do with my clients now. It's like so much of it is moving it through our bodies, and I think we've been conditioned to believe that if we let ourselves start to feel it, we're going to fall apart, and it's we're never going to come back, which is not true at all. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I really relate, going back to your early childhood experiences, that was really my experience too. And luckily, after I got sober, my mom started healing with me. And she, as I started to express these things, the word for me was not dramatic. It was hypochondriac. You're just such a hypochondriac. You're such a hyper Oh my God, everything's the end of the world. And it's so funny because with my current partner, he called me that once and I was I I was so triggered. I just feel my body shutting down. And I'm so grateful for the work now that I can like advocate for myself and say, you know what? I really hate that word. Like, I really don't like that word. It's super triggering for me. Please don't call me that. And, and I never was a hypochondriac. I was a super sensitive kid. I was also a really traumatized kid. There was so much just abuse and violence in my household. And my mom said, you know, I didn't know how to hold space for your big emotions because I didn't even know how to hold space for my own emotions. Like, I didn't even know how to process my own stuff, let alone you and your sisters. Like, there was no space for us to show up and to be seen and to, you know, be validated in our household. And I think that that is such a common theme just across the board. I think societally we're so traumatized living in this kind of toxic environment that we we don't know how to hold space for each other because there's just too much chronic stress all of the time. Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about peak tea. I'm obsessed with this brand. I love their matcha. I love all of their teas. And now I love their liposomal vitamin C. I have been advocating for liposomal C for years. If you look at my health highlight on my Instagram, I talk about the benefits of it. And Peak Tea makes one that is actually really delicious. Our natural collagen production starts to slow down in our 20s, and vitamin C is vital in the production of collagen and plays a key role in keeping our skin plump, supple, and glowing. Liposomal vitamin C is maximized for absorption to support healthy collagen levels for healthy skin and to provide immune support full of antioxidants from organic elderberry superfood complex that helps smooth and brighten the skin for a dewy glow and helps combat hyperpigmentation and sunspots or sun damage from within. I love that this makes just a great addition to my skincare routine, especially since I already use vitamin C serum in a topical form. Only seven clean ingredients. It's the beauty wellness shot that I look forward to taking every day it is delicious. There's no GMO, there's no soy, no refined sugars or preservatives. Right now, there's a limited time special offer. Get 5% off plus a free Peak sampler pack containing six of their best-selling teas when you buy two or more cartons of their daily radiance. The link for that is Peak Life. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash reality. Use code reality at checkout. There's nothing that I love more at the end of a long day than taking a shower, climbing into some deliciously cozy pajamas, and then crawling into my bed. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, my bedroom is my sanctuary. It is my special place. And my sheets matter. That's where Cozy Earth comes in. Cozy Earth developed and crafted high quality goods with responsibly and sustainably sourced materials from the earth so you can get the restorative sleep that you need to curate your sanctuary and recharge from the comfort of your home. Cozy Earth is softer than cotton. It's made from soft and sustainable viscose from bamboo fabrics. It's temperature regulating, which means that it will keep you cool and comfortable all night long. They've even been featured on Oprah's Favorites list four years in a row. Cozy Earth has a 10-year warranty on all of their products and a hundred-night sleep test, which means that you can try it for a hundred nights, and if you don't love it, you can send it back for a full refund. I personally love their sheets. I love their cozy pajamas, and right now. For my listeners, Cozy Earth has provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today. You can get 35% off site-wide when you use the code REALITY. That's CozyEarth, C-O-Z-Y, com, and using code REALITY at checkout. Relationships are hard, and that's why I'm here. Hey, friend, it's Cammy Crawford. Think of me as your big sister slash Audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show, Relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics—the good, the bad, and the straight-up shitty. Need advice? Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon, bestie what you're saying makes sense. And I want to share my experience with that too. But when we look at indigenous cultures, I always like to study indigenous cultures. Dr. Gabor Mate, who's one of my favorite authors and doctors who talk about addiction, he says that the human species thrived in hunter-gatherer societies where we all cared about each other, where we all had shared resources, where We had to make sure that, you know, we were taken care of and that everyone was growing strong, healthy, and mentally stable. Because if, you know, a part of the tribe started to fall apart, then everybody starts to fall apart. And I, so I look at indigenous cultures and it doesn't matter what culture you're from, dance was a part of it. And we've lost that we have absolutely lost that in our Western civilization. I mean, and if we do dance, my oldest daughter is nine and she's a competitive dancer. She's been dancing since she was 18 months old. She has the gift. It's just, it's not like my pushing her at all. I could not care less if she quit tomorrow, but like she loves competitive dancing and she loves dance. And, but like the ability to really get in to our bodies. That's the difference here. And I often think, you know, I see her when she's just like freely dancing in the backyard and I'm like, ah, oh, it's just the most beautiful thing because she's just so connected to herself and to the world and like all of the things. And, and we need that, you know? And I remember how uncomfortable, It was for me in the beginning. I'm someone who obviously advocates for mental health. I think talk therapy is great to a certain extent, but in my experience, it wasn't until I really started to do the more somatic healing work that my life really changed. And it just, it felt so uncomfortable. I remember the first time my therapist, I was seeing this incredible therapist, And hopefully you're comfortable with me talking about this. But she was like, what's your self-pleasure look like? And I'm like,
1: what's my self-pleasure
0: look like? It's like non-existent. And she's like, okay. And when it does happen, are you like distracted by porn? Like, what are you, what are you consuming? And I was like, I mean, yeah, I'll just watch porn. And like, you know, that's it. And, and she advise me. She's like, when you feel comfortable, I don't know when you're going to feel comfortable to do this, but when you're comfortable, she's like, I want you to go home, pick whatever toy you want or just yourself. And I want you to dim the lights and I want you to light the candles and I want you to turn on some music and I don't want you to watch anything. And I want you to do this a couple of times a week. And I was like a couple times a week, who has time for all of this? But (laughs) I was like, I can do it. Like I can carve out 20 minutes, a couple of times a week to do it. The practice changed my life, like changed my life.
1: Absolutely. And I think it is connection to self. It's our own life force energy that we are so cut off from, hence why so many women feel disenfranchised, feel numb, reach for the bottle, are you know, in the pantry all hours of the night. They're craving something, but what they're craving, they can't fulfill because it's mm-hmm. not in those things. It's in themselves. They're actually craving themselves. themselves. Mm-hmm. And it is so beautifully divine. It's fascinating to me that we have shamed women to the point of not wanting to touch themselves, not wanting to look, and that any kind of intimacy is not intimacy with self. It's intimacy reserved for someone else to, t- to take or partake in with you. So we've really conditioned women, even the dancing, right? Like dancing has been performative, or for the male gaze. Mm -hmm. And so when we are raised that everything is done, like our bodies are for someone else's pleasure. Our dance is for someone to rate on a scale of one to 10. You can see how we do like get so cut off and so shut down from our beautiful divine internal feminine light, because we get this messaging, like, don't do it unless you're like doing it for someone else. It's silly. Like what's even the point? Right. Yeah. Or I remember there was a, I just moved a couple of weeks ago from Connecticut to coastal Connecticut to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And in the spring, as the beach was getting warm enough in Connecticut, we lived on the beach and there was always this man who would show up like on the first nice day. And he would come almost every day, spring, summer, fall. He would walk up and down the beach with a headset on. And every so occasionally he would stop exactly in his spot and he would go to town. It's like, you could tell his favorite song just came on. And everyone in the town labeled him mentally ill. And I used to have conversations with people in the five years we lived in that house and we'd have parties and people would be over. They'd be like, oh my gosh, there's that guy. And I would have these conversations that would really open up these incredible thought, like moments for people. And I would say, "Let's, let's really tease this apart why are we labeling him? Why is anyone labeling him mentally ill rather than aspiring to be that free rather than being so curious, like what song just came on for him to be able to be so in your body that when music comes on, you stop and you celebrate being alive. The fact that we've labeled that human expression mentally ill is actually the problem. I used to like, I didn't have full body chills. I can't tell you the amount of times, like how much joy he brought to me, just seeing him out there. He was a reminder to me in my daily life to stop and really live and really be in the now. So I think that the way we frame it, you're exactly right. In this culture is even when we go to parties, if anybody dances so often, it's like they're totally drunk. Mm. To feel like they could even express or move their bodies or connect with their bodies, they have to be like doing it from a place of inebriation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Often we have to check out of our existence in order to experience our existence, which is just so sad because the discomfort comes up and our inner critics present themselves. And I do a lot of work with IFS and it's, and since starting that work, now I'm like super hyper aware of all of my different players inside yes. of me. Yes. And it's amazing how much it's changed my life and just has, has let me really embody my like existence and like be operating from my higher self and in that fun free embodied experience. You know, you talk a lot about aging and what we go through as women as we age and, you know, are, I don't even want to say like pushing back on societal norms because I don't even know if it's so much about that as it is about really knowing who you are and what you want. There's nothing inherently wrong with getting Botox or filler. I have filler in my lips, Botox in my forehead. I'm probably not going to stop doing that for a long time until I decide that I don't want to anymore. But as I've really, in the, I mean, the last couple of years of my 20s and now into my 30s have gotten to know who I am, I've learned to begin to like love myself more and more. And so I'm I'm curious to know like what this journey has been like for you and when it started and how it's affected not just you personally, but like your friends, your family, like your community?
1: Such a great question. Thank you for asking. I think for me, I have always wanted to be very present for everything that was happening in my life, like acutely aware and present. So for me, as I was, my husband's six years older than me. And as we were obviously coming into this like midlife space, because he was six years older than me. And many of my girlfriends were married, are married to men who are just slightly older. We had a conversation one time and I said, isn't it fascinating how our husbands are coming into aging as if it's, it's a non-event they're not talking about, should I do like, should I start doing the fillers? Should I start doing the injections? How, you know, how often are you going now to get your hair colored? It was a non-event so I started to notice how men are actually really revered for aging. They are considered like the silver fox. They're more distinguished. And the words for women as they were aging was like old crone, hag, you know, the spinster. And it was becoming this obsessive energy that women were caring about what they thought they needed to do to be acceptable. So for me, that was like a kind of a, a hard stop for me was to really look at why is it that men can age and women aren't punished for being human. We are expected to freeze in time and look forever youthful and like really starting to dig in the obsession with youth and understanding like how we have used the 15 year old like Victoria's secret model as the as the example of what is you know so desired, which is if you think about it is very sick. You know, somebody who represent something that is even pre womanhood. I mean, she's still like a child herself. So I really started to to dig into that. And I got to tell you, there's nobody who loves a good challenge more than me. Mm -hmm. I am like anti-patriarchy. I'm anti, you tell me to turn left, I'm turning right. It's just always been in my nature. I I've always been the one who questions everything. I feel like I've never, ever lined up and done what the norm or the average person who's doing ever. It's just not my nature. I kind of love to live on the edge. I love to push my own boundaries. And so I just declared like, I'm not gonna do Botox. I'm not doing filler, and I'm not even coloring my hair anymore. And I stopped coloring my hair about four years ago. And for me, it has been this spiritual journey I could not have imagined because I actually get to see every single morning in the mirror. The reality of what is happening. Mm. There is no hiding. There is no muting. There is no pretending I'm 10 years younger than I am. I am seeing her every morning in the mirror. I'm in reverence to her. And for me, my spiritual journey from woman to crone, I won't bypass it. I won't mute Mm. it. I want to be present for every single beautiful, holy moment as it stands in front of me, just as my husband is able to do it so freely. Mm-hmm. I was not going to be, I, I felt like I don't want to be robbed of the experience. You know, I, I want to, just like when I had children, I was like, I'm not getting the epidural. I'm not doing it in the hospital. I wanted to feel it all. I wanted to fully come alive. I wanted my warrior woman to bring these babies into the world. I didn't want it to be another day where I was reading a magazine and like watching the TV. I wanted to, these are just only certain moments in your life. And so for me, it's like, it is such an honor and a privilege to be turning 50. And I want to see her every day in the mirror.
0: Yeah. I love that. As someone who had a pretty bad addiction, it's, I often don't, I I love that. Like it's an honor and a privilege to turn 30, to turn 31, to turn 35, to turn 40. I mean, when you've had as many close calls as I have, like, I think you forget you forget that. And because life gets overwhelming and busy and full and chaotic. And you're often like, Ooh, how do I slow this train down for a little bit so I can catch up? And yeah, it's a, it's a really good reminder. And I'm sure it took a lot of work because we do, we have these inner critics. We have these, these voices inside of ourselves that aren't often ours And, you know, these subconscious belief systems and even conscious belief systems about the divine feminine, about being a woman, about how a woman should act, behave, look, all of the things. And so can you please share more about like the work that you did to overcome that? Because I'm sure that that was not an easy thing to do.
1: Alexis, I really appreciate you saying that because I think often there is the ability to not to kind of gloss over and not actually understand what a revolution it is. It is because I have, I have more than enough money. I could be at the med spa limitlessly. That's how I could choose to live my life. It's not a financial issue that I'm not doing it. It is a conscious choice. And to make a conscious choice like that, my husband is a very high profile person in a very high profile position. We have a lot of eyes on us, let's just say. And it would be so easy, so easy for me to get swept up in all of it. And the fact that I am not is probably one of the things I'm most proud of, aside from being a mother. It's one of the things I'm most proud of because I am taking a stand for something that I don't I don't want or need other women to take a stand for. I feel like I'm kind of the I'm holding the torch of a different way. And if women want to come over here and, and feel this freedom. By all means, please do, but I don't need anybody to. It's a decision I am so grounded in and so self-assured in. But it does, it doesn't anymore. But it did in the beginning, especially the first year or two, require some work to hold on to myself and realize that this decision was bigger than the quick fix. If I would have gone to the med spa, it was bigger than ah, just inject a little bit more. I had to look at why. Why are you injecting it? And so for me, there's so much that lives on the subterranean level around that question. But for me, it was like, it was really back to, I want to walk the journey that my grandmothers and great grandmothers walked. I want to, I want to be a different way in this world. I want to show women sisters, you get to be gorgeous and wild and holy and free. You don't have to look like you're whatever age forever, if you want, there is this option. So, and also it's fascinating. There's no one, there's no one doing this right now in the way that I'm doing it. There's not even that conversation. So people are confused by it as well. It's like, why wouldn't you? And I think, why would you without even understanding the toxins and what you're we're putting, let's just be honest. Like we are putting chemicals into our body. Mm -hmm. And the fact that women are just doing it like, oh, well is also concerning when we look at the rates of breast cancer and ovarian cancer. And we're like, huh, so interesting. We'll just keep walking those walks and raising more money for breast cancer. I'm like, maybe we should stop filling our bodies with so many toxins. Does anyone want to correlate that? So that's like a whole nother, like healthy living suggestion for me, but I can't tell, I have a 19 year old daughter. I can't tell my daughter to love herself fully and then turn and like do all these alterations is how I see it. So for me, it is really about in the very beginning, it was like staying super conscious. Like what's the bigger message, Amanda. And when I fell that deeply and wildly in love with myself, it's not even work anymore. It would be so anti-Amanda to do any of those things. I can't even fathom walking into a med spa because because it's so far from where I am in my life, like my self-love, it's it's so deeply holy. and and I that's, I guess, the piece that I wish I could I could sprinkle all over the women in the world because that's the energetic that I wish women could move in the world with that kind of so self-assured that you no longer need to look a certain way other than what God expected you to look like or whatever mother Nature decided to sprinkle on you. Like I won't even have sunspots removed because, To me, they're some of the best reminders of my life. All the the islands my husband and I were on through the early years of our marriage, all the times we traveled with our kids to the beaches. So to me, it's like, I won't erase any of it. And who Mm -hmm. says, who says it's wrong? Who says it's bad? Who says it needs to go away? Those are the stories of my life. Live on my body.
0: Yeah. I when when I hear you speak, what I think of is how many times I've heard, like, enjoy your youth from older women, like enjoy, enjoy your youth while it lasts. Oh my gosh, you look so young, da, 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 da. like enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. And it's sad because it makes me think like, well, why aren't you enjoying your fifties? Why aren't you enjoying your sixties? Like you still, and I think that so much of aging too is mindset. And I know hundred percent, my mom, I remember she had her midlife crisis. It was the year that my oldest daughter was born. She was 40, turning 49 that year, but she thought she was turning 50. And for three months straight, she cried. She thought that this was the end of her, her life. And, you know, she thought that she was going to fall apart, that it was going to be so painful that like her body was going to stop working all of a sudden. She also had to have a hysterectomy a couple of years prior because she had all of these, not tumors, but fibroids. Fibroids, And I think to myself, how much of the fibroids are just because we hate our bodies? A million percent. That's a <laughs> so whole nother much. podcast. Like, yes. That's a whole nother podcast. But it's like how much of the sickness yes. is because, or, or, and how much, and I'm sure the breast cancer and all of that does have, in part to do with, well, actually they've linked now certain implants to breast cancer, but to the food we eat and the deodorant we wear and all the things. I'm sure that that's true. And how much of it is because we don't touch our breasts, because yes. we don't know how to massage our bodies, because we never drain our limbs because we we don't touch ourselves. We don't take time to I literally keep on my bedside table bre- this breast oil I love. It's by everyone's going to want to know. Okay, I'll I'll link it. It's like wood something herbs, but I'm going to link it on the podcast in the notes because everyone's going to go, what is the oil now? But I keep it on my bedside. And at night, I just massage my breasts and my armpits and like drain my limbs. And it's like, why aren't we all doing this? But yeah, my question, I guess, would be to all of to everyone listening, is like, we don't die when we're 40. Like the average life (laughs) You know, the average life expectancy, I think now is like 88 for women in the United Mm -hmm. States. So that means you have another lifetime and then some to live on this planet. So the question is like, how do you want to live? Because if you're telling yourself that you're old and that's going to hurt and that's going to suck and you're going to have all these health issues and that it's like terrible to age, your body's going to believe that. So if we're telling ourselves that like getting old is going to be miserable, then
1: absolutely getting old is going to be miserable. Absolutely. I agree with you a million percent. When you asked me about doing the work, like how I've done the work, that would be the number one thing I would say is I had the most squeaky clean mindset around this thing that I was doing as I was aging. And I cleaned up like any information I would take in. Like I went through my Instagram, like any social media accounts, I only allowed beautiful content to come back to me because I decided that if I'm working on keeping my mindset a certain way, I also have to make sure that whatever I'm taking in from the outside world is representative of how I want to feel. And so it really deeply is an inside job. If you want to feel a certain way and and believe a certain way, you have to live your life with that. Those messages, like in your body. And it takes like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days of certain like mindset hacking, if you will, before you actually start to believe it. And then I actually started to believe like aging is beautiful. Aging is holy, right? After I filled myself with that new mindset, I was able to, but if I had the mindset that some of my girlfriends had at the time, I would, it would have been so much harder. So you have to align first think about like, how do I want to feel? And then how do you back up your mindset to support the way you want to feel? And then keep doing that. Even if it doesn't always feel true in the beginning until your nervous system and your cells recode for this new messaging, that's so much more loving. It is hard as F for women to do this because everything in the culture is telling us you just, you need a flatter belly. You need thicker eyebrows. You need longer hair. You need bigger lips. You need to be this tall. You need to, It is never ending. So you have to have exquisite, exquisite mindset to walk the path I'm walking.
0: You know, it's interesting because I had a male friend of mine ask me the other day, and I'm gonna preface this by saying that I understand that historically women of color have had a tougher time and with regards to their hair. And it's beyond just societal beauty standards. But I had a really interesting conversation with a male friend of mine who was like, do you think that the altercation that happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock and Jada Pinkett Smith, like, do you think that that, like, what are your thoughts on that? And I was like, it's so complex. Like, there's so much nuance and there's so much complexity. And like, as a white woman, again, I'm not here to talk about black women and their hair. But I, what I am here to say is that if I thought about you know what it would be like to live life without hair in the United States, it would be really hard, really hard. and I go, I'm gonna ask you this question. You're a straight male. There's two women standing in front of you that you can date, right? There's me brown, long, flowy you know, hair. And then there's a woman that looks just like me, but she's completely bald. Who are you going to date? And he was like, I'm going to date you. And I was like, exactly. You're going to date me because you find me more aesthetically pleasing than you do her. And so it is really hard. And, I like that you said, you know, this is really like an act of radical self-love and also rebellion to say like, fuck this. I'm going to step into my wild woman and do whatever the fuck I want (laughs) with my body. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But it is not easy to do Mm -hmm. that.
1: You know, Alexis, I love that you said this about like that contrast. It's so true. I have a niece who is 16 right now and she has alopecia and she's had it since she was about seven years old. And she has many sisters who have beautiful long locks and it has been fascinating and devastating simultaneously to watch her navigate this when she was little, we used to, if we were all out to dinner, our dinners would be paid for. The waiter would come and be like, oh, that person over there, they paid for it because of the little girl with leukemia or cancer. Mm -hmm. Everyone assumed that to not have hair, she had cancer. And then as she got older, she really started advocating for herself and just explaining to people, oh, no, it's not cancer. If you're interested, I can tell you a little bit about it. And she would explain alopecia. And she has the the case of alopecia where she has no eyebrows, no eyelashes, no hair on her arms. And she's had to change schools multiple times because when she was younger, especially she was called lizard because she had like no facial hair and her, her parents, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law bought her like the most luxurious, beautiful wigs that money could buy, and she wanted. She tried them, but she wanted nothing to do with them because your your scalp can't breathe through them. It just it does feel artificial, and so she just finally decided, like many many years ago, she said, "I'm not. I'm not doing this." And so I think of her so often. I think of this girl who had no choice and how brave she lives her life every single day. And there's a part of me that always like reflects back to her. I'm like, if she can do this, I can do this. Like that's authentically, that's her. That's how the world, she's supposed to show up. She's such a lighthouse for what it means to be a woman. She's such, I also follow a woman, I'm going to forget her name right now, but she recently had like a double mastectomy. She also has alopecia and she's a mom to some littles and she's covered like her upper body, her whole chest and arms with like the most gorgeous tapestry of tattoos. And I follow her again because- I want those kinds of women. Those women inspire the fuck out of me. Yeah. I want to surround myself with women. It's it's sad. I've had so many people say to me, Oh my God, you're so brave. I'm like, no, to be brave is to wake up every day after a child is killed in a car accident, like my dear friend's son was. To be brave is to survive two rounds of cancer as a mother to young children, which I have a friend who's done that. That's brave. The fact that we would call a woman who decides not to get Botox fillers or color her hair brave really tells you how sick our society is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember my grandpa, he, I started tattooing my whole body and my grandpa was like, just wait until you're older. And I remember saying to him, this was a couple of years ago, if my only issue when I'm your age is that I've covered my body in tattoos, I'm in good shape. Yes. <laughs> like we're, when if I'm 85 and my only, you know, thing is that like I've got tattoos all over. Oh well. It's doing like, pretty doing pretty sorry. good. <laughs> yeah. We're we're okay. I want to give everyone a chance to like follow you, to consume more of your content. I'm gonna start listening to your podcast. Obviously I'm not middle aged yet, but like it's so inspiring to me to to hear you and to Consume your content. So, where can my audience listen and uh, learn more about you?
1: Absolutely. On TikTok and Instagram, I'm Midlife Muse, M U S E. So, Midlife Muse on Instagram and TikTok. And then on Facebook, I have a Facebook private group over a thousand women. It's called Revolutionizing Midlife. Because while well, I consider myself the midlife muse, the action, right, that I'm taking is I'm revolutionizing the way we as women do midlife. And then my website for to work with me and all my programs is my name, amandahanson.com. So thank you. Thank you so much for asking.
0: Thanks for joining me today. And I'm gonna highly suggest everyone follows along, especially on TikTok. So, so good. Um, and hopefully everyone has a good Monday. This week's affirmation is, I am good enough, and so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, follow along with us, leave a review. It means so much to me. There are new episodes of Recovering From Reality every Monday, and you can follow me on social at RecoveringFromReality or visit my website, RecoveringFromReality.com.